6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Thursday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
with the Friedman family in Baruch Kel Elyon, Lule done by Mendy Werdiger, Cole Zimra with their Kumsitz medley, uh, Yessi Rosenberg from the Sphira album with Yom Shani, and of course Regesh Modani opening things up. 
And we say good morning. Welcome to a Thursday on this May 12th, the 11th of ER, a week away from Logbo Omer and a week away from our regular format, which we will gladly reintroduce to everybody a week from today. <laughs> that I could say with great enthusiasm. Uh, today is day number 26 in the counting of the Omer. That's three weeks and five days. We forgot to count last night. Make sure to do so sometime today. Today is Thursday at JM in the AM. A couple of interesting things happening this morning. I'm glad you're tuned in. Ellie Beer is going to join us, founder of uh, United Hatzalah in Israel. They have a big gala coming up, but also they've been involved in so much, both, both in Israel and the Ukraine. And we get to get an update from him about the fascinating work of United Hatzalah. Uh, in the uh, 7 o'clock hour. In the 8 o'clock hour, as promised, Charlie Harari is scheduled to join us. The the life and the uh, incredible efforts in the world of Jewish education and beyond of Rabbi Zachariah Wallerstein are being noted everywhere after his passing over the last few days. And uh, we get an opportunity to speak to Charlie, who knew him well, and uh, get a perspective and learn about, um, learn about a man who uh, took saving Jewish lives very seriously. It's funny because we'll speak to somebody who physically saves Jewish lives, and then at 8 o'clock hour we'll talk about somebody who spiritually saves Jewish lives, or at least did for the majority of his lifetime, which is pretty amazing. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nachum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Good morning to listener Tikva, of course. Wishing her a great day in Israel. Uh, tomorrow, of course, it's our weekly update, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time with Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. So make sure to be tuned in for that. Uh, also, we have a full day today uh, here on the Nahum Siegel Network. And as soon as I have the full schedule in front of me, I will uh, share it with you. But there's plenty of stuff going on, including a Thursday live lunch with Yossi Zwag, that'll air between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. Eastern Time, a cappella style. He's up in the latest news and music, and he will provide a lot of that coming up in those two hours between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. Eastern Time later today. Thursday Live Lunch, Yossi Zwag, exclusively. I think we could say that, right? Although he may post it, he may actually simulcast it on, uh, on one of the other... Um, outlets but i'll say it anyway since we 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 are the um flagship for the thursday live lunch so i'll say exclusively here on the nachum siegel network <laughs> uh yesterday we got this request i got to it i got to it eventually but i got to it very late so we'll do it now again just to uh make sure to satisfy both the early and later morning listeners it's ari goldwag plenty more coming up it's a sphere format thursday and this is jm in the AM. down my way today's gonna be a good day no matter what comes down my way cause i've got something burning inside and i've already made up my mind today's gonna be a good day no matter what comes down my way today's gonna be a good day no matter what comes down my way cause i've got something burning inside and i've already Shine clears the clouds away Today's the day I'm 
and all of your work is true. It's not hard to understand. You created just for man. Please reveal your special plan and bring us machine. 
Yeah. 
Nasa Khaletia 
from Israel interfered with that song for a uh, uh, small piece. I apologize for that. Viserav, uh, done by Yerachmiel, uh, begun in the Miami Boys Choir, uh, a cappella style. Before that, they had Esau Enai, Benny Friedman's Abishter. Today's the day done by Ari Goldwag. As I said, we had that request yesterday. Got to it very late, so figured we'd do it again today. And um, hopefully the... Uh, person who requested it was able to hear it this morning here at JM in the AM. It is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com, on the NachumSegal Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. And um, as I said, Ellie Beer is going to join us from United Hatzalah in Israel. Lots to talk about regarding Israel and the Ukraine. Uh, we'll speak with Charlie Harari in hour number three this morning. The life of Rabbi Zaharia Wallerstein has uh, taken center stage for many in our community since his passing, and we will uh, explore just how incredible an educator he was coming up. Uh, feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Every day around this time, we lose our internet service, which I, I mean, thank goodness it doesn't knock us off the air, which is one of the things I don't get. But um, we have trouble heading to certain, heading to websites in general, always around the same time each day. That's why our news from Israel becomes a frustrating uh, endeavor sometimes. Uh, Anyway, we have a full schedule today. Charlie Harari at 9 a.m. is going to be speaking on the topic of stewards of time and discussing the counting of the Omer. That's happening at 9 a.m. 9.30 for Michael Fragan and Spin Class, the latest political news. Jenny Goldfarb, creator of Mrs. Goldfarb's Unreal Deli, is uh, Jew in the City, speaks Allison Joseph's guest at 10 a.m. Miriam L. Wallach will feature a a brand-new show with Dr. Vrayim Zuroff, the famed Nazi hunter starting at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time with That's Life. 11 o'clock for Yossi's Weig and the Thursday Live Lunch. Throwback Thursday will go back to um, one of our great classic shows at 1 o'clock. JM Rewind at 4. And Tani Talks Parsha. Tani Gutterman with a brief discussion about the Torah portion of the week coming up at 10 p.m. tonight. The Arab Shabbos Show returns next week on Lagba Omer here at JM in the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. 
גלי צהל, Israel Army Radio, 2PM Newscast, next to JMDM. גלי צהל השעה 2, באולפן גוני כהן, עם מה שקורה עכשיו. תחקיר ראשוני של האירוע בו נהרגה העיתונאית אל-ג'זירה שירין אבו עקלה. רוב האקלים שירו הלוחמים נורו לכיוון ההפוך מזה שהייתה בו העיתונאית, אך בצהל לא שוללים כל אפשרות ואומרים, עד שלא נקבל את הקליע, אין סיכוי לקביעה חד משמעית. עם הפרטים כתבנו הצבאי דורון קדוש. רוב הקליעים שירו לוחמי צה"ל במחנה הפליטים ג'נין נורו לכיוון דרום בזמן שהעיתונאית אבו עקלה שעתה מצפון לכוח אבל עם זאת נורו גם כמה קליעים בודדים צפונה ולכן בצבא לא שוללים באופן מוחלט גם את האפשרות שנורתה מאש צה"ל או מנצז של ירי. גורם צבאי המעורה בפרטים אומר לנו עד שלא נקבל את הקליע אין לנו דרך לדעת זה חסר סיכוי היא הייתה במרחב הירי ולכן אי אפשר לשלול אף תרחיש. ולפני שעה קלה הסתיים טקס ההשכבה של אבו עקלה במהלכו נאם יושב ראש הרשות הפלסטינית אבו מאזן שהבהיר לא נסתמך על חקירה ישראלית, נגיע לבית הדין בהאג. אנחנו מסרבים לקיים חקירה משותפת עם ישראל ולא סומכים על ממצאיה משום שהיא זו שביצעה את הפשע. נגיע במהרה לבית הדין בהאג, כך אבו מאזן. חבר הכנסת בועז טופורובסקי מיש עתיד התייחס בגלי צהל לאפשרות של חיסול מנהיג חמאס ברצועה יחיא סנוואר ואמר בשיחה עם אמיר בר שלום מי שמאיים על מדינת ישראל לא חסין מפניה אנחנו אלה שהפסקנו את החפיות ליחיא סנוואר אנחנו אלה שעושים רגע 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 עצור עצור רגע מה אמרת עכשיו? אתם לא נותנים חסינות ליחיא סנוואר? כלומר יחיא סנוואר הוא מטרה לגיטימית לחיסול זה אתה? אין אצלנו חסינות לאף בן אדם המשטרה עצרה תושב ג'יסר א-זרקא בן 28 בחשד לביצוע מעשה מגונה נגד קטין בחוף הקשתות בקיסריה. המשטרה פתחה בחקירה לפני כחודש לאחר שאישה התלוננה על אדם שביצע מעשה מגונה נגד בנה בזמן שבילו בחוף. החשוד נעצר ומעצרו הוארך אתמול בחמישה ימים. הפרקליטות הגישה לבית משפט השלום בבאר שבע כתב אישום נגד דייג עזתי מחמוד בכר בגין הברחת סחורות אסורות ממצרים עבור חמאס. שני נאשמים נוספים מואשמים בניסיון ההברחה. בכתב האישום צוין כי במעשיהם ביצעו הנאשמים עבירות חמורות נגד ביטחון מדינת ישראל. לפי כתב האישום בכר קיבל את הסחורה במצרים ושב עם הציוד לחופי רצועת עזה שהמסר אותו לפעילי הארגון. כתבנו רמי שני מוסר שהפרקליטות ביקשה לעצור את הנאשמים עד לתום ההליכים המשפטיים נגדם. מזג האוויר ללא שינוי, אלה החדשות. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Shabam, pam, pam, 
with Hashem Sefosai here at JM in the AM. Actually with Vaharevna, with Vaharevna. Bitachon at Ashrei, Shivchi done by Eli Gerstner, a.k.a. Pella and Yehi Shalom and Achas was Ari Goldwag to open up the hour here at JM in the AM. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechon Nishmas HaRav Zebna Yosef Alevi, Zechon Nishmas Esther Basar Yosef Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We learn, Nach Basadrachenu, we should begin to inspect our ways, V'nach Kaira, Search them out, and return to Hashem. In Brachos we learn that Rafuna had 400 barrels of wine. They fermented, and it was a great loss. The Chachomim came to him and said, You should inspect your deeds. He answered, Am I suspect in your eyes? You think I did something that was wrong? They said to him, Are you suspecting Hashem? would do a din, would pass a judgment that is uncalled for? Tosto cites that this response does not always apply because sometimes Hashem will bring Yisurim Shel Ava, afflictions of love. And maybe this was such an instance. But the Chachamim came because they knew that something needed to be rectified. So Rav Huna said to him, Did you hear something about me? Tell me. They told him that they heard that he doesn't give a share of his vines to the sharecropper. These are tenant farmers who are entitled to a portion of the crop as well as a share of the vines planted during a given year. Ravuna said, does the sharecropper leave over anything for me? From all the produce that grows on my property, he steals it all. So when I deny him, I am merely taking that which was stolen from me. They said to him, This is the meaning of what people say, that one who steals from a thief has a taste of theft. Although he didn't violate a prohibition, it was not proper for someone of his stature to conduct himself in that way. Immediately, he was macabre upon himself to give the sharecropper his share in the future. Immediately, the loss was restored. Some say... The vinegar turned back into wine, and some say that the price of vinegar rose and it was sold at the same price as wine. Was this an open miracle or a hidden miracle? Those that say that the vinegar became wine again, it would mean that that is an open miracle. It's revealed. The second opinion would make it a nesnister or a hidden miracle. Rav Yislok Eichensin said, One can understand the opinion that it was a hidden miracle, that the price of vinegar went up ten times. However, what would the newspapers say? The newspapers would immediately say, Oh, no, there was inflation. 
There was a shortage of vinegar. It was an extremely hot summer. It affected the price of vinegar. All types of reasons would be given. However, we know the true reason was that a yid did tshuva. One Jew repented. When a Jew does tshuva, the mitzvah changes. A person could attribute it to many reasons, but the true reason is chazara b'tshuva, that someone returned to Hashem in tshuva. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day.
Jam in the AM. Eilecha with Ellie Gerstner and company. Well, it's time to go to artscroll.com. If you haven't gone there yet, you got to go there because there's a 26% off sale on all sets, all chumish and nach and halacha sets. The sale will end May 30th. It's time to go to artscroll.com. Start browsing and perusing all the different sets that are available. A 26% off set sale right now with over 40 sets to choose from. Artscroll.com has all the information. If you want the automatic free shipping, if you want the automatic free shipping, the only way to do that is with promo code radio. If you want the automatic free shipping, the only way to do that is with promo code radio. So you know the rule. I mean, we say this all the time. Uh, you go to artscroll.com, always use promo code radio. Simple as that. You go to artscroll.com, always use promo code radio. That is the uh, one of the best pieces of advice I've ever given. <laughs> and I give it over and over and over. Go to artscroll.com, always use promo code radio, and right now save 26% on all sets on their big set sale that's happening now between the now and the 30th of, uh, of May. Set sale is on. When you go to artscroll.com, always use promo code radio. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Iman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old world classics, beef fry, kishka, and more. And modern, better for you kosher products, including no nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Well, Memorial Day is right around the corner. Make sure you have the uh, different uh, varieties of hot dogs that you need in your home because grilling season is going to become a very, very serious season very soon. Yeah, people like to grill all year round, but once uh, once the end of May shows up, all of a sudden, people are making their way to their barbecue, to their barbecue and grilling up a storm. So make sure you have all the plenty of A&H brand uh, hot dogs, whichever variety you enjoy, and um, get ready for... This summer's grilling season. And a big thank you to our friends at A&H. A um, couple of things I wanted to mention that I think you'll find on the community calendar. Um, we'll talk about the uh, the United Hatzalah of Israel Gala. We're going to speak to uh, Ellie Beer about that. Uh, I do want to remind you that on uh, Thursday, May 19th, which is a week from tonight, starting at 6.30 p.m., how is Israel making a difference in our world today, and why should we buy bonds to invest in the state of Israel? That's the question. Israel Bonds, Congregation Lador Vador, and Congregation Eitz Chaim at Hollis Hills Bayside invite the community to celebrate uh, the anniversary of the state of Israel and the anniversary of Yom Yerushalayim at Congregation Lador Vador, the Oakland Little Neck Jewish Center on Little Neck Parkway in Little Neck, New York. Again, it's Thursday, a week from tonight, starting at 6.30 p.m. And our good friend Glenn Richter, lifelong activist, member of the Board of Americans for Safe Israel, former national coordinator of the student struggle for Soviet jury, is going to be the guest speaker. You'll have an opportunity to learn about investing in Israeli bonds. Information about all of this. Um, it's robert.lunzer at israelbonds.com, robert.lunzer at israelbonds.com, or you could dial 646-523-1939, 646-523-1939. Again, that's happening on uh, Lagba Omer a week from tonight. Uh, this coming Sunday, Israel Bonds Staten Island Division and Kojo of Staten Island invites you to celebrate with everybody at a big breakfast this coming Sunday at 9.30 in the morning at the Young Israel of Staten Island. 
with distinguished guest speaker by Dr. Jacob J. Schachter on the topic of the significance of the state of Israel in 2022. Information again, 646-523-1939, 646-523-1939. Again, that's happening at the Young Israel of Staten Island this coming Sunday, beginning at 9.30 in the morning. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Cantor's World, um, with um, with Cantor's Yaakov Motsim, uh, A.T. Friedman, Nisim Sal, Beryl Zucker, and Yudi Cohen, plus Mayor Briskman and Choir. Um, a Marv Sphera davening, hosted by Cantor Benny Rogoznitsky and Charlie Bernhout, this coming Sunday, beginning at 8 p.m. at the First Congregation on Chase Sfarad of Borough Park on 14th Avenue in Brooklyn. Tickets and information, cantorsworld.com. So the Cantors are getting together for a Sphera Marv davening. Um... Uh, that's happening at the Sparta Shul in Borough Park. And that's happening this coming Sunday, beginning at 8 p.m. Again, cantorsworld.com has the information. Cantorsworld.com has all the information. Day 26 in the counting of the Omer, three weeks and five days. Today's also Bahab. It's the middle day of Bahab. If you're not familiar with that, feel free to consult with your local rabbi. Uh, Pesach Sheni coming up Saturday night and Sunday. I didn't realize some people, according to the Luach, do not say Tzit Kaschatzedek this Shabbos. And some people don't say Tachanun on Sunday morning. That I think I knew. I didn't know that it's Kaschat Tzedek when Pesach Sheni is Saturday night. It's good to know. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's day 26 in the counting of the Omer, three weeks and five days. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Uh, meanwhile, we continue with more in our uh, Sphera format Thursday. A week from today, we'll be back into our regular format. Cannot come... Fast enough, as they say. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Uh, today's schedule, at 9 o'clock, Charlie Harari, who's going to actually join us in the 8 o'clock hour as well to talk about the life of Rabbi Zachariah Wallerstein. He'll be on at 9 o'clock, Charlie will, um, on the topic of stewards of time, discussing the counting of the Omer. Spin class with Michael Fragan at 9.30, the latest in the world of politics. Allison Josephs has an encore presentation with Jenny Goldfarb, creator of Mrs. Goldfarb's Unreal Deli. Uh, that's uh, happening on Jew in the City Speaks at 10 a.m. Miriam Al Wallach, brand new with That's Life, or, by, or I should say Dr. Ryan Zuroff, the famous Nazi hunter, is Miriam's guest, starting at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. The Thursday Live Lunch will be conducted by Yossi Zweig, starting at 11 a.m. And tonight, Tani Talks Parsha. Tani Gutterman at 10 p.m. tonight on the, uh, on the network on, um, with, a, with a segment entitled Tani Talks Parsha on Parsha Shashavua. That's Tani Gutterman, 10 o'clock tonight, right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
selection from the Waterbury uh, from our friends at Waterbury here at JM and the AM. They've got the brand new acapella album entitled Songs of the Soul and we will um, we will uh, feature that selection for you in just a few minutes here at JM and the AM. Uh, I want to take this opportunity to uh, introduce or reintroduce I should say Ellie Beer to this uh, wonderful audience. Uh, Ellie of course is the founder, leader of um, United Hatzalah of Israel and we really have three topics this morning with Ellie Beer. Um, he has a big gala coming up in New York City, which obviously we'll mention. Uh, but there's some sensitive work going on on a daily basis in Israel that he oversees. And there's very sensitive work going on in the Ukraine that United Hatzalah of Israel has gotten involved with uh, since the end of February. Ellie Beer, founder, president, United Hatzalah of Israel, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nachum. It's always great to be by you. It's uh, so many years I I, I show I, I go on your show, and it's I love it more and more every time. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. Let's <laughs> we'll talk about the dinner. We'll talk about the gala. It's always an amazing event, and and we'll get to all of that. But let, let me start with a couple of things. The situation in Israel. Um, it, it seems every time we we you know turn on the news here, go to the uh, go to the web to check out the latest that's going on, there are a, a tremendous number of clashes that are going on. Um, uh, unfortunately, you know uh, uh, episodes that we would consider terrorist attacks uh, are um, are on the rise. It's been a very rough few months for our brothers and sisters in Israel. I would have to imagine that in addition to all the life saving work that your organization does. Uh, for them to, to it, it has to be unavoidable for your personnel not to get involved in some of these situations. Some of these situations, you know, actually do uh, it, it require first responders to get to the spot as soon as possible. So these terror attacks, number one, put your personnel in a very sensitive and precarious situation. And then I would think some of these clashes, uh, as things develop, uh, do the same. What could you tell us about what your men and women have been going through over the last few months in Israel? Well, you know, we had a very rough, let's put it this way, a year since Lagbomer last year, uh, which was one of the worst tragedies of Israel, if not the worst. Um, just, uh, Mehran came, it was after COVID, a really few ways of COVID. And then we had a war. People forget May last year, we had a war. A lot of people were injured and killed in that war. And we were all involved. Every United Hotel volunteer from all around the country came to help down South. 
that was over. They had tragedies in uh, in different parts that we were involved. The tragedy in uh, in the Surfside that we sent volunteers from Israel to help in, and um, waves again of COVID, and then we were back to uh, to normal for a while, and then the war broke out in Ukraine. We were there, sending our volunteers who are still there. And the waves of terror does not stop. And now we have a peak of the, the waves of terror in Israel. We're talking about uh, individual terrorists who just decide to be, uh, to be uh, I don't know what they call them, to be uh, shaheeds. They yeah. seem to be getting something in return. And this is, is, this is unbelievable to see people who are just planning on their own, maybe they're getting some funding from, from terrorist groups and from different countries, but... They are on their own going ahead, and their mission is to kill Jewish people in Israel. And this can happen in Hadera. It can happen in the center of B'nai Brak, in Tel Aviv, or in Yerushalayim just uh, the other day. And uh, they, I, I spoke to a volunteer of ours who was in the terror attack in Yerushalayim, and uh, he literally saw it happen. And he, it could have been the one that he would have gotten injured. And uh, or killed, and and Baruch Hashem is able to save a soldier, a young soldier who was stabbed. Volunteer of United Hatzalah, um, who was there because of the ambush cycles, he was able to drive through Shar Shem, you know, and be there and save a life of a young soldier. And he said, "I could have been the one." He was right there when it happened. Yeah, the point. And, uh, that, right. and this is happening every day. The point I'm trying to make is that um, look, we we know if someone uh, needs help medically, uh, the response time from United Hatzalah members is pretty remarkable, really record breaking, and this is something that we've spoken about many times here. Uh, but now, uh, e- even though again, even though again, um, your personnel they're they're willing to go into any situation to help, and and willing to go into any situation that even puts their life in danger, it seems like now um, they're doing so much more of that. Uh, th- they are getting into into circumstances and episodes uh, that are even you know much more difficult than the average um, uh, first responder type episodes that we typically think of. You know, someone's having a heart attack and someone runs, you know, from one of your members runs to you know to save their life. Uh, so I, I I just I would imagine that it has put a certain strain on the people that you work with. That, that they have this additional consideration of I'm going to get involved in an episode. I'm going to get involved now in, 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 a, um, in, in, in some type of uh, incident that's happening. And God knows, God forbid, I may not be able to come out of it alive. Listen, this is one of the things that, you know, people that are volunteers in Israel, in the Army or in Hatzalah, United Hatzalah, or any other serious, like emergency rescue unit in Israel knows that he's putting his life in danger. He could be in a situation where he's finding himself uh, in front of a, a person who wants to kill him just because he's Jewish. And we have this every single day. And, and we go to our house in the morning. We don't know where we're going to end. It could be we're going to be saving someone in a very dangerous situation. I just had a, uh, in B'nai Brock, the day we had a terrorist attack in B'nai Brock, volunteer who unfortunately worked and tried to save someone. He passed away in his hands. He died in his hands from, from the, you know, shooting of the terrorist. Uh, five hours later, he was in his house. He was, he couldn't sleep. He was devastated. He was in a situation that he needed emotional help. All of a sudden he gets another emergency call of a woman two buildings away from where he lives 
was not who felt like she's giving birth at home, and she was, you know, pregnant, and all of a sudden the baby's coming out. He, he jumped out of bed. It was already almost in the morning, and he runs over, and he delivers a healthy baby boy. And this is something that a few hours before he, he had to pronounce this young Jewish person dead in B'nai Brock, and all of a sudden he's delivering a baby. And this is a type of work we're dealing with in Israel. We never know what's the next thing. We don't know what we're going to deal with. And we just know we're putting our life for Hashem. We're saving lives. And, and Kiddush Hashem and Pikoach Nefesh. What has United Hatzalah, Ellie Beer, founder of uh, President of United Hatzalah of Israel, is with us? What have you done in the Ukraine? The war broke out at the end of February. Uh, obviously, at some point, you and your leadership made a decision to get involved in a certain way. What were some of the types of things that you did and continue to do uh, regarding the Jewish community of the Ukraine? So we had a group of volunteers who were operating in Ukraine for over 10 years uh, in Kiev, in Odessa, in, uh, in uh, Mezhibuz, in Uman. Um, we had a small group there that was helping the Jewish people and also non-Jewish people who needed help. And then when the war was about to break out, I didn't believe this thing was going to happen, but we had a, an emergency meeting about this. And I heard the voices from our volunteers who told us that this is going to be a devastating thing for the Jewish community, and Ukraine, because the Jews always are the blame for everything. You, you always blame the Jews from both sides. The Ukrainians and the Russians will always blame the Jews for everything, and they were really getting ready to leave anyone who could. And they said to us, we need help from Israel. We need you guys to come help us out. Because we're going to have some very hard rescue operations to get old people out, babies out, and everything. So we we didn't know if it's going to happen or not. We actually thought it might be... It might be uh, it might be a, um, a false alarm, but, you know, we're going to go get ourselves ready. So before the world broke out, we already had a team of 12 people, paramedics and EMTs, who left Israel to Ukraine. We had a doctor from Miami, Dr. Zevi North, who left Miami that day to go help organize medically the teams. And uh, we were getting ready for the worst. And I, I was wrong. I thought it's not going to happen. My team thought it will happen, and I'm sad to say, uh, I'm I'm sad to say that they were right, and and we we were dealing with the worst situation. The first uh, the first rescue mission we had was a baby one day old. The mother called me up. She was in Israel. Mo- the mother was she couldn't have babies for 20 years. She couldn't have children. Her and her husband decided to take a surrogate to carry her baby. It's her baby. A Jewish baby was born in a shelter underneath a building in, in Kiev oh, while the Russians were bombing Kiev. And she was trying everything possible to get there. She couldn't get to Ukraine. And she tried um, getting people to rescue the baby. No one had ability to do that. And even some people even told her, just give up. You know, let the baby go to, um, let the baby just go to orphanage or something because you're not going to be able to get the baby to the war. It's going to be a disaster to get the baby out. It's going to be impossible. So she called me up. It was Friday afternoon. It was Friday night in, in Ukraine. I got my team to start working on the first rescue operation. 62 hours later, we had the baby, little baby. Um, uh, name is Rain. Uh, the baby was uh, brought to the mother in Israel. Uh, the baby was four days old when the mother met the baby for the first time. And I just saw the baby yesterday. For the my first time, I saw the baby and it was just the greatest feeling in the world to see a beautiful baby 
um, living in Israel, and we know that if it wasn't for our volunteers being there, it was a very complicated rescue mission, and we were able to get her out. And then we had Holocaust survivors, 96-year-old Holocaust survivors, 92-year-old Holocaust survivors, who had no way of going by car. We had to get ambulances and, and rescue them. 12-hour drives on the road in danger to get them to the border of Moldova and get them on planes to Israel. So we chartered Elal planes and our Kia planes, and, uh, and we got these people from Moldova and, the, and Poland to Israel. We realized that the ones who are left behind don't have food, and for Pesach didn't have food, so we arranged 250,000 pounds of food and medicine to be sent into Ukraine. So this is stuff that we dealt with in the last uh, two and a half months. What happens? Uh, to, maybe almost three months. What happens today? Is that your team still on the ground? Are they safe? Are they helping? Is is there no need for them now? What's the story now? So right now, I just literally came in uh, twenty four hours ago from Ukraine. I was in Ukraine meeting the Minister of Health of Ukraine, meeting the mayors there, the mayor of Kiev, and, and different officials in Ukraine to to build our next phase of help because now the war changed you know directions now it's more east and they still have a lot of jews there and a lot of jews are killed in the east of of russia of sorry of of ukraine and some who want to get out can't get out it's too difficult to get out so what do we do now how do we help them we're thinking of new ways we still have teams there and helping even this morning we we took together with the jewish agency that asked us to help them with six Olim, who are very, very sick or injured, that we send, we send paramedics to to get them from there by ambulances to a plane and escort them to Israel. They just landed a few hours ago in Israel. So we're trying our best to help as much as we could. The war is still going on, full force. Putin is not going to stop till he feels like he won. Um, he's, he's destroying a whole country, and a lot of people are affected, and a lot of Jews are affected. How does your so how do, doing everything possible? How does your team uh, have what they need? How are they able to stay safe? Are they able to stay safe? Are they able to uh, uh, to get the supplies that they need, both medical and food supplies, in order to just you know continue this mission? It's very hard. We have to go every time. We have to go in different ways. What I came through Moldova. Moldova just shut down their borders. They don't want people to go through Moldova to Ukraine because Moldova are really, really concerned about Russia attacking them next. So they don't want to be involved anymore in, in even humanitarian help towards Ukraine. So now we have to find other ways through Poland, which is very difficult because of bureaucracy and because of so many people are going in and out. Of, it just takes hours and hours, sometimes days. Our team's their biggest problem is getting gasoline for the ambulances. We have a bunch of ambulances operating in Ukraine. We are struggling. You can wait eight hours to get into a gas station. If you find a gas station that has gasoline and they give you only like three gallons to fill up your ambulance or your car. So we have to find ways of how to overcome that problem. Food is a problem. We have to send them food through different countries because they're not manufacturing any, anything there. And uh, we just have to struggle. Medicines, a lot of medicines that we bring, we bring to Israel. We have cargo planes leaving weekly with food and, and medicines from Israel, medical equipment, and helping the people there. So I, I could say that it's not an easy situation. It's not like you're in a vacation in Hawaii. Conditions are very, very hard, and uh, you're putting your life in danger. I, I had to run to a bomb shelter yesterday 
two days ago, under the parliament in, in Kiev, uh, together with parliament members, to be in a bomb shelter because they had a threat. It was the 9th of May, and everyone was worried about maybe maybe Putin will be able to, will want to shoot direct missiles into the parliament. So they had a, um, a alarm. I'm so used to it from Steyrot and from Ashkelon. And it's, uh, it's, it's really the same... Scare, yeah, you, know? you, you were you were, you were the experienced one there. You could you could tell them exactly how to handle the situation. Uh, so with all, yeah, they actually asked me. They were laughing and they said, "Are you scared?" I said, "Yes." They said, "Aren't you used to it from Israel?" I said, "Yeah, we're used to the Palestinian missiles, not to the Russian missiles." Yeah, good point. Takes time to get used to the. Ellie Beer is yeah. with us, founder and president of United Hatzalah. You hear what his volunteers and uh, his staff is going through, both in Israel. And the Ukraine, and all he asks of us is to come to a dinner in New York City. <laughs> so he's not asking us to go hide in bomb shelters. He's not asking us to go and be first responders or or get into a situation where one gets involved in what is a terror attack against Jews or any of the things we discussed this morning. All Ellie Beer wants is for everybody to be at Pier sixty in New York City on Tuesday. May the 24th. In fact, Dr. Newworth, who you cited earlier in this conversation, is actually the special guest that night, right? Exactly. So thank you for mentioning that, Nahum. Uh, this gala is very important for us. We had, a, like I mentioned, a very difficult and, and challenging year this last past year. Uh, we want people to come, hear the stories, be motivated to, to be part of it, to, to get inspired. And we're going to bring Dr. Zevi Newworth, who was a hero, put his life in danger, stopped everything he was doing in, in his practice, and went to save people's lives in Ukraine. He's going to speak, and we're going to have a lot of good people there. It's going to be an incredible event. Um, a beautiful Tuesday um, on May 24th. I would love everyone who could come and uh, wants to come support to get a ticket and come support the event. It's in Pier 60, which is a beautiful area, too. Nice. I hope it's going to be good weather. Um, and we're going to have uh, good food there. And we have a website, which everyone could just go on and get a ticket, get two tickets, get five tickets, and just bring your friends and family. I think it's uh, UH, UH is United Hotel, really. Uh, UHNYGala.com. Yep. UHNYGala.com. And uh, you can also go into our website, israelrescue.org, and learn more about the organization. If you can come, just go on our website and support our work in Israel and in Ukraine, which is so needed. The Heroes of Israel Gala <coughs> takes place in New York City on Tuesday, May the 24th at Pier 60. Special guest is Dr. Zevi Newworth, who we just spoke about. They'll honor Kathy and Alan Weiss and Alan Chantal Gindi. Um, there'll be Broadway stars performing at the event. It's going to be a great uh, night to honor the life-saving work of United Hatzalah. And there is a website, uhnygala.com, uhnygala.com. Again, uhnygala.com is a phone number, 646-833-7108. That's 646-833-7108. And there's an email and website. The email is office at israelrescue.org. And the other website is Israel rescue.org israelrescue.org circle the 24th of may it is always a great event uh when they when they say it's a heroes of israel gala they mean it 
a lot of great heroes who put their lives on the line and just put their, you know, even if they're not sacrificing their life, God forbid we don't want anyone to have to sacrifice their life, uh, but they're sacrificing their, uh, their, their time, their family's life, um, and uh, responding at a moment's notice uh, for any type of emergency, whether it's uh, Israel, Ukraine, Surfside, coming up on that first anniversary, and so many other situations where United Hatzalah gets involved and, um, and, and helps bring a positive resolution in very, very difficult circumstances. So again, it's IsraelRescue.org and the GALA website, and we suggest that everybody um, try to be there on the 24th of May. Very different, Ellie. Uh, very different than the, the circumstances that you just described earlier in terms of how you are trying to get in and out of Ukraine, how you are, you and your personnel are dealing with the, uh, the attacks and medical situations in Israel. All you're asking is for people to come and enjoy a night on Pier 60 in New York City. Sounds like we got the better part of the deal, frankly. <laughs> You'll be surprised now from how many people call me every day and tell me, Ellie, I want to come help. Take me to Ukraine. And I say, what, what, what do you want me to do in Ukraine with you? He says, I don't know. We'll do anything. I said, you know what? Start with the gala, and then we'll talk about Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> start, start with committing yourself to a couple of hours for the dinner, and then we'll talk about going to the Ukraine. I actually, actually like that. I want to see if you can handle this incredible smorgasbord, <laughs> exactly. and then we'll talk <laughs> That's actually a very good strategy on your part. It's obvious you have a lot of experience in this. Well, Ellie, what can I say? Kolaka vote. I hope the event's a, a, a great success. And, um, and just, you have thousands of people, thousands of people who have joined, um, uh, United Hatzalah over the years who are helping you do this noble work. Uh, stay safe. And we say that to all your members. Stay safe and, um, and continue to help, uh, uh Jews both in Israel and around the world and around the world. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate being on your show, and I just want to tell you that I'm, I'm probably showing, I'm probably appearing in your show for the last twenty five years, wow. and I have tremendous gratitude to you and all your listeners who are religiously listening to you. I appreciate that. People very much. in Israel, in Europe, in America, everywhere are listening to you. So thank you so much for having me. Kalakavo, thank you so much. That's Ellie Beer, everybody. He's the founder of United Hatzalah of Israel. And uh, the gala is the 24th of May, and I hope it's a major success. A lot of great causes out there to get involved with, and I hope everybody out there finds a good one like this to uh, to help support. More coming up. You're listening to a uh, Thursday morning edition of JM in the AM. Shall I ask you? 
Nemo's Choir with Michal Kel Chaim, one of our uh, most recent a cappella pieces that was sent to us. Ari Goldwag before that with Atayacha. That's also a recent one. And Waterbury with Helenu, a recent one as well <laughs> here at JM and the AM. All right. We are, uh, we are up to date, uh, Baruch Hashem, with a lot of great selections. Reminder, Yassi Zwag with an a cappella live lunch coming up at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 11 until 1. That'll be live. We have the flagship uh, uh, platform for that program, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Yes, he's wide. Thursday live lunch coming up here at the Nachum Siegel Network, plus a full schedule, including 
Uh, Charlie Harari at 9 a.m. on the topic of uh, Sfirasa Omer. Charlie's going to be... Um, uh, is going to be concentrating on stewards of time and discussing the counting of the Omer for this morning's topic at 9 a.m. But as I said earlier, we have a special treat in that we get to speak to uh, Charlie in the 8 o'clock hour this morning and hear from him again in the 9 o'clock hour. And the reason I invited him on for the 8 o'clock hour this morning is because so many of us have been hearing about the um, incredible life and career of Rabbi Zachariah Wallerstein. And um, I, I've been familiar with the Wallerstein family and go back with the Wallerstein family quite a long time, but I had not really um, uh, kept up with Zachariah over the last many, many years. Uh, outside of what I had heard, like most other people, that he was doing noble and incredible work in the Jewish community, especially in what we would call Jewish education. And um, he passed away, as we know, last week. And I felt it was only proper to ask somebody who knew him well and could articulate what he did well to come on the air and uh, let us be inspired by the life and accomplishments of Rabbi Zachariah Wallerstein. With that in mind, Charlie Harari, welcome back to JM in the AM. Charlie, you there? Uh, Hello, Nachum. It is so great to be on your show. Oh, there you uh, go. Thanks for the opportunity. You can hear me, right? You, you're, we're cool? I can hear you. Totally. Um, when did you first meet Rabbi Zachariah Wallerstein? Uh, maybe uh, 12, 10, uh, feels like almost a decade ago, maybe longer. And uh, Rabbi Wallerstein ran, remember the campaign Data Disconnect? Remember that campaign yes, we did? Yes, yes. Uh, Rio, you and I discussed it on the air. Yeah, yeah. So he, I got a call from one of his top lieutenants, a, a wonderful woman named Elisheva Perlman, that she wanted me to be involved. And if I wanted to meet her Wallace, he said, absolutely. Of course, I've heard of him. And I went down to see him in his office, and um, it's been an incredible ride since. And that was a, um, I, I remembered how, how incredibly powerful and impactful that campaign was even for those who did a disconnect by the way just just to right. just to think of you know transmitting that message to the community that you know what it's better for us if we would disconnect and obviously just, that's just one of so many projects that he was involved with how would you you know it's it's funny because um to many of us on the outside um we, we could just say he was an educator. We could just say he was somebody who saw a need or a niche or uh, you know, a desperation on, uh, uh, on the part of, of, of many uh, among Jewish youth. And, you know, he founded a school, a seminary, a program, a, uh, you know, a weekend program, Shabbatonim, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it seems after his passing, with all that's been told to us about him, including by you, by the way, in a beautiful eulogy, it, it, it seems like it was just so much more than that. How would you classify what he was on paper and what he really was in terms of the whole package? So I, I, he was, a, he was a, a crusader for Hashem. He was a warrior. He was indefatigable in his quest to make every single person feel uh, loved by Hashem and welcomed by our community. There are so many kids that, for whatever reasons, don't have that. We're given the right whatever situations. And there's so many more than we think, right? They, they exist. They look great on the outside, but there's so many people that are disenfranchised in a way. 
And he felt it so deeply in who he was that it was wrong and he wanted to fix it. He was a businessman. He had a company. He had, he had, a, he had a life. He, he could have been a normal guy and <laughs> been, you know, a respected man in the community. No one would have said otherwise. He wasn't, he, he wasn't designed for this. He, he, this whole thing started because a couple of women asked him to give a sheer, you know, 25 years ago on Tisha B'Av, and he looked around, and so many people showed up, and he saw such a dearth of programming for women um, that he made a next program, and a next program, and a next program. And then as he started to get involved, he started to see the need. And what a normal person would have done has been like, listen, this is my boundaries. Like, I can only do what I can do with one person. He just didn't think like that. He, that. he said, if Hashem needs it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push myself. And he became the advisor, the counselor, the, the resource to thousands and thousands of people on top of his business, on top of his learning and davening, on top of being a great husband, and on top of running four or five institutions, you know, on, 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 on his own will. It, it was it, like this incredible example of how one could stretch oneself beyond any perceived limitations when you're fighting crash up. Charlie Harari is with us. We're talking about the life of Rabbi Zachariah Wallace. And by the way, I should point out that there is a campaign to keep his work going. I I was astounded yeah. when I when I heard of what of what the goal was because uh, with all the institutions he had and all the different uh, educational avenues that he created, uh, we're talking about a big budget. We're talking about over six million dollars that they're looking to raise. And uh, pay attention, pay attention to your email, pay attention to uh, social media. There are efforts all over the place to make sure that that goal is reached, and we're certainly encouraging people to give to uh, keep Rabbi Wallerstein's legacy alive. If anybody needs um, uh, you know, uh, us to send the link to them, you could certainly email us, nachum at nachumsegel.com. I... Um, you know, it's funny what you say about the uh, fighting for Hashem and, you know, creating uh, creating whatever is necessary in order to accomplish, um, you know, the goal in order in order to, to, do, to do that fight. You, you with 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 all the institutions that can be created, it, it seems like and, and and we have great educational institutions and we have a lot of wonderful programs out there. But if you don't have that person behind it with that extreme passion and fire, somebody who, based again on what I heard through the eulogies, you know, never slept, uh, or, or sleep was not a priority. Maybe, maybe that's a better way of saying it. <laughs> sleep was not a priority. And, uh, you know, you, you need somebody with that incredible drive in order to even show the young people you're trying to reach just how sincere you are. You get what I'm saying? That you, you, you have Totally. You, I mean, tell yeah, you're, uh, Malcolm, you're 100% right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and that was such a part of who he was, was his incredible, almost piercing care for you and for Hashem at the same time. It was an incredible thing to see. When so somebody is so bound with Hashem. Now, I was going to say, it must have been, I don't want to say debilitating, that's not fair. It must have been challenging for him. If he internalized the the difficulties that people approached him with, it must have been he, he must have almost taken it personally every single time you know someone approached him with a problem that needed to be solved. Oh no, no question. I mean, like I, I was saying, we would travel sometimes to do. You know, he had this thing called Avinu Malkano, right. which was a series of speeches that took place around Yom Nolayim time. He did it to inspire people, and then in between each location that he went to. You know, when he landed somewhere, people would find out and try to get to him. 
And so he would be meeting with people the entire day and speaking at night, getting on a red eye and doing it again in the next city, but not like once or twice, like for like 10 days across the world. And then in between getting phone calls, like you'd sit with him at lunch and his phone would never stop. Like it would, you would go to like dinner with him or lunch in uh, in these places. And the guy would go and go, you're Ray Wallace. And he goes, yeah, he goes, that's on me. He goes, why? He goes, cause you saved my sister's life. He's like, who's your sister? Like meaning like it, it was such a constant passion that he had and the way he expressed it behind the podium or in front of somebody one-on-one. And that was what was so unique about him. He wasn't like a guy behind the podium and then like one-on-one, he was a totally different person. It was the same guy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it was the same passion and the same purpose to do this. And yes, he took it so personally, which is what drove him. Like, and he had, he's famous. He told me the story years, and it's going, this story is going around, but he told this to me years ago that one time he was sitting in a room trying to raise money and um, one of the guys was making fun of him. Like, all this money for just a few kids, you know, and it happened to be that the kid he was trying to save was that guy's daughter. Like, the guy didn't even know what his daughter was up to. And here he is mocking him for making so much of a big deal for a few kids, and he's thinking... It's your daughter I'm trying to save. And he said, you have to look at every decision as if it was your daughter. And that's how he was able to move mountains. I mean, he, he, he moved mountains. He started rehab centers. He started schools because he saw each kid as if it were his daughter you know, and you, if it were his son. Yeah, 100%. And by the way, that's the, um, he once said that, right? When, they, when, they, when they're using that line about raising money as if it's your daughter, that was, that was something that he actually had said, right? Yeah, he said that in a speech. He first said it in a meeting and then told the story over without using names in a speech. But I've heard it from him. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times we'd be talking about something and I'd be thinking to myself, you're insane. Like you're going around the whole world for a kid, like a kid, like he's changing his whole life. He's flying across the world. He's starting center. And he look at me like, he'd almost like know what I'm thinking. He'd be like, each kid is Hashem's daughter. Each kid is Hashem's son. Like he, we say it, he believed it. Like he really lived his life, which is such an unsustainable thing. But, and you know what the best part is that it didn't take away from his family. His family didn't feel taken to the side. His wife didn't feel pushed to the side. He was able somehow, his way, to include his family and to be there for his family, but at the same time, I mean, he once told me a story that he came home at 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, at 1 o'clock in the morning, and then got a call. He had to go to a psych ward to take care of a kid. Went to the psych ward, right, and then drove to his house. He said that he pulled into his driveway at 3 a.m. He said, Shachos was like in three hours. He said he didn't have enough cars to go into his house. So he pulled, this is in his driveway. So he pulled his car seat back and slept in his car because <laughs> he didn't have enough strength to walk into his house. Like, this not, that's not normal. That, that, that doesn't happen like with the whole time, right? This is the yeah. guy who lived, you know, that's what I did. And he told it to me like it's, if it was a normal part of his year. There are just some nights that I don't get home because I'm running around. You know, and it's—he didn't even say it like as if it was a, a, a kircha. He said it as if it was a privilege, which was unbelievable. That's how he took it. Rabbi Wallerstein Legacy org. By the way, folks, that's the website. Rabbi Wallerstein Legacy org. Rabbi Wallerstein Legacy org. If you want to see these activities and uh, the incredible institutions that he created, continue. And I think everybody in the community and everyone in the sound of my voice should certainly pitch in. 
Rabbi Wallerstein, LegacyFund.org. Um, so important to keep these going. Charlie, with, with so many thousands seeking him out, I, I, I don't want to say this from a negative standpoint. Uh, I, I think you have a way of turning this into a positive, frankly. But what does it say about our community? What does it say about how how we don't realize just how many youngsters are going through challenging situations and are, are lost out there and are not on the right path out there? And you know, and he understood that obviously, and and, and attracted thousands um, with his words and with his advice. Um, what would you say it says about our community and the work that we need to do in this area? It's we have to. We're always growing. A lot of it is 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 parents and families, and you know, we always have to be moving and trying to bring our kids to a place of health and happiness. Um, but I think we're at a place where people are responding. Um, but yeah, we could always be more. Either the level of, of empathy and the level of programming that we, we, we always need to make sure that all of our kids are growing. Because we have, we have a big challenge ahead of us, right? We as the Jewish community want, uh, we want to be successful in multiple levels, right? It's not an easy task to be spiritually successful and religiously successful and, and financially successful to maintain a lifestyle, right? There's so many things that we want, and we, we, we strive, and Hashem pushes us to strive for such incredible excellence that it's hard, and institutions can't keep up, and institutions can't you know, get the money in and be able to deliver such bespoke education. And so it, it, it's, it's the reality of, of, of a nation that's constantly in battling every which way and still growing to be greatness and being a light into the nation. Um, and I think we're moving in the right direction, in my opinion, institutionally. I think we're moving into a much greater and, and, and more empathetic place for, for kids. Um, and our Wallerstein is an example of others. There are those that are out there. I don't know how many. There are those that are out there that have dedicated their lives clearly to this. And he's a model of it. And I, I hope, I really hope that other people now will look at our Wallerstein and say, hey, I want to do that too. I want to have this type of impact. And you don't have to do it for a million people. You don't have to be a Wallace Even if you do it for five people, it's still changing the world. And that's, by the way, how, what he would say. He would say, what's a million people? Like, he, doesn't even see, he wouldn't even feel like that. Right. He would just see lots of ones. You know, he would be like, no, it's just one. He, you know what I'm saying? He, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't even think that he's helping thousands. Because in his world, <laughs> he's just helping the next person. He's helping one multiple times. Um, exactly. You know, you know yeah. uh, someone said to me that... Um, you know, he had this idea, I'm sure you're familiar with it, of renting out the bowling alleys so that kids would have a place to go to on a Saturday night, you know, in an exclusive atmosphere as opposed to, you know, some of the places that people like to hang out. Um, yeah. And when, when the funding dried up, you know, you would, you would think that it, it, would be a, it would be a tough sell, so to speak. But this specific person told me that they went ahead and they arranged a fundraiser to keep the bowling alley concept open because they understood that that his strategies when it came to these things were really effective. Uh, a lot of people would poo-poo, oh, you know, you're, you're, what are you sponsoring bowling nights for kids? And that's important in terms of their you know, development, in terms of the, you know, getting them on the right track, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but if that's what it took, if it was, if it was a, you know, out-of-the-box concept like that, he was ready to implement it and, and, and make it happen. Oh, yeah. He, he was famous for this. He would empower people to do things that other people would be like, you got to be kidding me, you know, to, to dance or to write poetry or to get involved. Like, he was always taking, and that's one of his godlessness, was that he saw you as a unique diamond, and he saw himself as the guy who was going to try to help polish it. 
and he never tried to make you somebody else. He, it was an amazing thing. He, you, and when you were with him, you felt it. You know, sometimes you're with somebody that you feel that there is something else they want you to be, right? You kind of feel that right. you're not enough. Right. Even if they don't say it. Like, even if they don't make you feel bad. Right. If, you, if you're with them long enough, you kind of sense <laughs> that they're thinking, like, when are you going to step up, right? Right. He, he wasn't like that. He was always underneath you, right? He was always supporting you. He was always saying, you're much, you're much more incredible than you think. And that was... How he built his schools, he saw these, some of these girls that the world really shunned, and he saw something in them, but like legitimately, he wasn't faking it to get them to be from, right? He legitimately saw greatness, and then they felt that, and they, because they felt that, they sort of saw it in themselves, and that's the type, that's how he thought. So he, that's a, it's his way to go, what am I knocking out the bowling? They're going out anyways. Let's make it more, a more of a, of a better culture. He, he, he saw the world from the position of where you were sitting versus the position of where, where he was sitting. And that was part of his godless to do that almost, almost always. Right. And, and, and still at the same time to be super from and to care about everything. Like he wasn't, you know, he, he, he didn't come from a place of giving up. He, but he saw people so wonderfully that they saw it in themselves. Pretty amazing. Charlie Harari is with us. It's Rabbi Wallerstein Legacy Fund.org or by Wallerstein Legacy Fund.org. We felt it was appropriate to get this audience involved in the work of Rabbi Wallerstein after everything that we have heard uh, over the last uh, a week or so. And uh, Charlie is somebody who worked with Rabbi Wallerstein very closely and uh, can attest to the fact that he. Um, was exactly uh, the way that everybody is describing him. Um, the uh, it, the the fact that he could look at somebody, a young person, and look at them as a diamond, look at them as you know with potential, look at them with you know greatness. Even though, of course, uh, they were still at a point where, on the exterior, they were involved in in, in things we wouldn't want anybody involved with. Um, is is such a, a unique and amazing trait. Um, what does that tell us about us? We as parents, we as as you know, people in the community who who deal with younger people at times in different venues. If if we would just turn that switch a little bit like that, and have a positive attitude even toward those who at the moment might be disappointing us, um, the the chances for things ending up in a good place are much greater, wouldn't you say? Yeah, you just hit on you just hit on the nail, and that's something that's so critical. I think that's the golden ring, if you will, of parenting and education, which is the hardest thing in the world to get, which is the ability to see the greatness in somebody when they're disappointing you. That's it. Like you just nailed it, right? When when a kid's like sort of getting there, you can always like say, "Come on, you got this." When a kid's doing great, it's always easy to to support. But when a kid's disappointing, to still see their greatness even though you're disappointed in their actions and that's a difference between what they do and who they are, that takes a great, a great set of eyes, right? Those are spiritual eyes to see who somebody is, even if what they do is not corresponding and to know in your core that that thing, that that person looking at is a piece of Hashem and maybe they're acting that way for reasons that are totally beyond what you think. And he proved it time and time and time again. He proved it. Time and again, you take somebody who on the surface seems like they're one way, you don't know their life. You don't know the nuances of their development. You don't know what they went through. 
if you just focus on who they are, they'll shock you. And he did. And it was amazing. And there were times he did it in, in 15 minutes. Like, I'm not saying that everyone had to go through, you know, an institute. There were times that he sat with some 15, 20 minutes and, and hit right in and changed the person because that person never had anybody believe in him before, you know? Like, they never saw that. And he, 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 he spotted it like you can't believe. Like, he was an, I mean, he told me things and how he was able to size up situations that were like, it was unbelievable. I did it on people. They were like, how did you know? Like, holy cow, this stuff really works. Like, <laughs> he really knew when someone said that they hate Hashem, that they never really hate Hashem. Like, he knew where it came from because he saw that them in a way that even they didn't see themselves. So when they themselves said, I'm not enough or I can't, he never even bought it. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, like, he was able to immediately see past it because he never even bought their own rhetoric. You know what I'm saying? That he, never, yeah. he, he couldn't, so they felt bad about themselves. He couldn't even believe that. Yes, it was, it was like, a, it was like watching like a, a, someone's like a magician operate because when you believe in people so much, you, you see things in them that they don't see in themselves. Yeah. And he wasn't, he, he didn't shy away from discussing his own challenging situations in his life. Which I think also, you know, yeah. when 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 someone makes it, when someone makes themselves real, when they when they portray themselves as a regular human being, you know, with 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 um, positives and with flaws and everything in between, I think that really helps the youth in our community, you know, relate to somebody when they're willing to be open yeah. and open and honest about, hey, you know, I know what this is all about, and uh, you know, and, and we're going to get through this. You know what I'm saying? Oh, for sure. I, mean, I was once with him on a Shabbaton. He ran these these famous Shabbatons. I mean, I, I wish he would have came to one. They were um, Ornava Shabbatons, and the the, 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 the the crown jewel of the program was the Friday night Q&A, right? And the first time when he goes, don't plan to go to sleep, I said, yeah, right. I've been to Q&As before. He goes, no, seriously. And it's a all-you-can-ask, no-end Q&A. I, when I went into one, we went, I finished, I think, at 4 a.m. Sometimes they go straight to Shachar's. Huh. Right. And people come out. It's unbelievable. And I, you have to see it to believe it. Hundreds of girls, women, you know, in the crowd ask whatever you want. Nothing is pebble. And, and three to five you know, people in the front answering. It's, and it's fun and it's crying. You laugh. It's unbelievable. So I was, at, I was at one with him and a girl asked a certain question. And it related to a challenge that he went through in his life. And it was embarrassing to talk about it. And he got up and said, I want to tell you what I went through. And I couldn't, I, when I tell you, I couldn't believe my eyes. Here is Rabbi Wallerstein, the head of this program in front of three, 400 people, telling over something that he ch was challenged with. In order to give this girl physic that she's not alone, I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw it. Wow. And I went to him afterwards. I'm like, how did you do that? He goes, what are you talking about? What, I can't be me? It's going to help her. <laughs> like wow. he literally put himself out there. How many detail? How many people would think a million times before ever doing that in public? Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! To even make a reference to that Man, in public, unbelievable. You know what I'm saying? And it, and it didn't. Even, I said this to the, the, the husband. He, you know, we play chess. You know, chess of like, what if I say this and this happens and this and this happens and this right. happens? He didn't play chess. <laughs> he never played chess. <laughs> He just did what was right. <laughs> like, he, he, he let Hashem worry about chess. You know what I'm saying? Like, he just focused on the next move. And sometimes it blew up and people get upset because he said something that they didn't like and whatever, whatever, whatever. But 
it never came from a desire to be controversial. He wasn't like a lahachesnik. Right. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't trying. He just spoke what he thought was truth, and he allowed the chips to fall where Hashem made them fall. And as a result, people ran to him because there are some people that are craving honesty and authenticity, and he he lived with it. And so they wanted him to tell them the truth. You know, it ended up being one of his greatest strengths. But I got to tell you, I almost never saw that before. And between me and you, I almost never saw that again. Yeah, that I'm sure. Uh, Charlie Harari is with us talking about Rabbi Wallerstein. Uh, Rabbi Wallerstein Legacy Fund.org or by Wallerstein Legacy Fund.org. Finally, Charlie, I mean, again, I'm, I'm not going to put you on the spot. This is something that you're not necessarily um, going to know, but I would assume that based on your observation, you're fully confident that uh, there's an infrastructure in place and great people who he uh, worked with that can keep all of this going because people are going to be giving generously and all we want is to see that these programs continue to be successful. Absolutely. He has a great team. He has a partner in life. His name is Yankee Elephant, who's an absolute topic, who is his right hand and partner in Chavrusa. And he's very much, you know, still a very big part of him, his family. And, and he's got great him and he's got a, he's got a great team. He's got a great group of dedicated people around him. Uh, it's, it, the key right now is the fun, is the finances. That was sort of what he took upon himself. And between me and you, many times pulled it out of his pocket. When he couldn't make any make the budgets, he never let an institution go because he couldn't fundraise enough. The key is the fundraising and, and to be able to get the, the necessary uh, funding in now. But he's got a team that that are that are planning to dedicate every bit of their lives to continuing his legacy, and and I'm sure they will, and I'm sure uh, they'll continue going even stronger than they were before. I can only imagine how difficult a period of time this is for everybody, for his staff, for his family. Oh, for I mean, I can I can only imagine. Uh, to oh, lose to yeah, lose to, to lose somebody like this uh, in our community. Yeah. Um, uh, again, everybody out there, Rabbi Wallerstein Legacy dot org. As we remember Rabbi Zachary Wallerstein and his incredible work, I want to thank Charlie Harari for helping us do that. And uh, Charlie, uh, if there's one thing we learned, sincerity, being open and honest with our children and grandchildren, uh, showing them love and letting them know that they are diamonds. Uh, all these lessons yep. are really, really, really critical. The, the, the other stuff, uh, the other stuff is, the other stuff's temporary. This is the stuff that creates really yep. good permanent situations. For sure. You would always say half kids are the ones that are able to become more connected to Hashem. Like, make sure your kids are happy. Right. Make sure they feel loved and respected. And then they'll be bigger. They'll connect to Hashem when they, when they feel the love from their family. It's so critical. Pretty and, uh, he, he stood for that. Pretty amazing. Uh, I thank you as usual, and uh, we'll hear from you again in just a few minutes, and I thank you for that as well. Thank you. It's an honor to be on the show. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate that, Charlie. Remembering Rabbi Zachario Wallerstein, my thanks to Charlie Harari, uh, who knew him well. Uh, Those of you out there who are inclined to support work that's really important and vital, RabbiWallersteinLegacyFund.org, RabbiWallersteinLegacyFund.org. More coming up. You're listening to a Thursday morning Sphere Format edition of JM in the AM. Uh, we do have a full schedule. Charlie is coming up with the words about Sphera at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Full schedules we outlined earlier. Live lunch with Yossi Zweig starting at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Miriam L. Wallach with a brand new show, That's Life, at 10.30 Eastern Time, which will um, uh, today focus on uh, on Ephraim Zuroff, Dr. Zuroff, the famed Nazi hunter. He's uh, her guest coming up, and plenty more all day long at the Nahum Siegel Network. <laughs>
It's Ellie Levin. Ellie Levin is the uh, singer on that one here at JM in the AM. Uh, this portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. You want some delicious and incredible hot dogs? This grilling season continues to, uh, to creep up on us. 
Make sure to go to your supermarket, your kosher store, your general store, wherever it is you buy your A&H products, and get ready for an incredible grilling grilling season and enjoy all the um, all the different varieties of um, hot dogs that A&H has to offer. They've got so many. And um, those of you out there who are looking for a great grilling season, you want to make sure your freezer and refrigerator are filled with delicious A&H hot dogs. Yeah, simple as that. Um, All righty, there we go. Our friends at Art Scroll, I remind you. Their set sale is going on at 26% off. Make sure to use promo code RADIO. No matter what you order from ArtScroll at ArtScroll.com, make sure to use promo code RADIO. Simple as that. So keep that in mind. Mayor Ben Drawer wraps up a Thursday at JM in the AM. Oh, and, I, and I remind you, full schedule today, of course, and tonight, Tani Talks Parsha. Tani Gutterman, 10 p.m. tonight on the Parsha. Tani Gutterman, 10 p.m. tonight on the Parsha here at the Nachum Segal Network. Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. 
Heard a listener sponsored digital radio around the world of web at AlchemSegal.com and the AlchemSegal Network and of course on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Thursday. My thanks to Ali Beer. My thanks to Charlie Harari. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. Feel free to comment on the app all through the day. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. If you don't receive our daily thread, feel free to be in touch with Avrami, AF at NahumSegal.com. AF at NahumSegal.com. I'll take good care of you. Just write to Avrami. I'll make sure you're on the uh, list to get the daily thread every single day. Our friends at Artscroll, they've got the set sale going on, 26% off. Go to Artscroll.com. Make sure whenever you go to Artscroll.com and order anything, make sure to use promo code radio for your big discount and for your free shipping. Always use promo code radio at Artscroll.com. Weekly update tomorrow. Plenty happening today as we've outlined uh, in terms of uh, our day here at the Nahum Siegel Network, including Essie's Wag and a Thursday live lunch starting at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Make sure to be tuned in. Have a fabulous Thursday. Till tomorrow, Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember to past, live the present, and trust the future.